This episode is brought to you by New Balance. You don't have to be an elite athlete when you pound the pavement. Whether you've run five marathons or you only run when necessary, whether you're chased by bears, zombies, monsters, the apocalypse is coming. But New Balance will have you covered regardless. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered. Because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance. Run your way. Visit newbalance.com slash running to learn more. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello, elegant listeners, and welcome to Go! My favorite sports team, the greatest sports podcast to ever exist with the most illustrious hosts that you know very well, including the man who does not do or know sport much, Markiplier. Hello, that's me. I'm here too. Yeah, and I'm Tyler. I'm the one with the master's degree. Ignore my death last time. I'm totally still fine. Did you die last time? I in a ball of flames. What what happened in the last episode? Why don't I remember that? It was the proof for death. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, uh, um, uh, it was me testing my master's degree. I think. Oh right, Will burned you in a ball of fire. I remember now. Goodness gracious, I don't even remember anything that happened. I think that was the last episode. I can't keep track anymore. I thought it was a creative class. It was the last episode. <laughs> Oh, that's right. <laughs> I was already reincarnated was already alive. It's fine. Dead. We just ignored that fact. <laughs> yeah. All right then. Oh, so how are you, Mark? I'm tired. Yeah. And that's it. You're period. like swaying back and forth. Is that keeping you awake? Something like that. I just feel like I need to keep moving or else I'm gonna slump over and just conk out. We just oh, finished geez. filming, so I'm just like trying to trying to stay awake as we get these done, and then I got to pack and all this sort of stuff. So, hopefully, this isn't horrible for Will to do if I'm not just like a Doppler <laughs> effect for everyone listening, going from left to right. Trust me, it's uh, everything's fine. Your your audio does not need to be adjusted. It's almost hypnotic the way the the audio is slightly fluctuating. Mm-hmm. That's what I aim for. We're here to hypnotize people into forgetting all those other sports podcasts and only listen to this one because we have the best sport information that you'll ever need. And you can even get a foam finger now to support the best sports podcast that ever existed in the history of history. Really? Yeah, there's a foam finger. Let me see. I'm going to see this. Where is it? It's It's up there when this episode comes out you kept saying that for like three weeks now and i don't see okay. one here okay you want you want me to get in the logic of it yeah I apparently want to get the logic of it 
the host of our website for the Go merch uh-huh. has been having some issues. Uh-huh. And so we're in the process of trying to get those issues fixed. Uh-huh. And so as we're trying to get those issues fixed, we might be switching to a different hosting platform that will operate the store instead because this issue has been persisting for well over a week now. Well, I don't know anything about that. It's, I, all I know is that Tyler lied to me and therefore you all listening to this and viewing this should be upset as much as I am. I don't know if I should apologize or double down. You, there's no apologize that you could possibly do that can forgive you for your transgressions. We'll light him on fire again. No. All right. Well. All right. Okay. Anyway, it's too early for oh. the accuses. I'm getting too cozy. early. Too early. All right. Well, today we're going to be talking about fan interactions. Uh huh. Because fans affect things. Uh-huh. And they need to be appreciated properly. Yes, just like the fans of this podcast. It's Jacuse time. Put a spotlight on him. For those watching video, you can see that Tyler's in the hot seat now. Because you, how could you, Tyler? How could you? Oh, how I could. How could you? UberLolks99 wants to know, how dare you disgrace Marty Brenneman for what his son did? Yes, it was Tom Brenneman, the last name in the same exact career. It sometimes gets confusing, oh, but it was I Tom Brenneman, his believe son. You. I'm anyway. sorry, Marty. You are still forever cherished and loved by all fans across the world, and especially in Cincinnati, for the amazing broadcasting that you did. It's your son that gets the finger pointed at him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I, Marty. This is a I strange. Apologize. It's a strange one, though. I demand an apology for Marty. I know you pride yourself and think of yourself as a man of faith. As there's a drive into deep left field by Castellanos, and that'll be a home run, and so that'll make it a four and zero ball game. I don't know if you'll be on this podcast again. I don't know where that last sentence was going. Um, so, so uh, they're referencing the part where Tom slipped up. Uh-huh. Because he slipped up and then he basically just went into the announcement of and there's a deep drive into left field by Castellanos. Oh, right. That's yeah. that's how his apology was like I'm a man of faith yeah. and da 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 da. <laughs> like... And then he he sh- he got interrupted because he had to broadcast the the Castellanos thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah, made, and he said like i don't know if i'll be on this broadcast again yeah. i get it now i understand i get it he, now. he said i yeah i don't know if i'll be on the broadcast again uh-huh sure. also there's a there's a jacuse from deranged beaver who said how dare you tyler i'll have you know that while there are 159 counties in georgia there is no such thing as a marietta county marietta is a city and is basically in atlanta's backyard less than i two know miles outside of the you know how do you know this well i know that it's a city because i have family that live in that area uh-huh, and so uh-huh. i know marietta is a city and i because sometimes cities share names with counties it well, happened. then you should have known better, you fool. I'm sorry. Los Angeles has a Los Angeles County. Uh, I go, how am I supposed to know all of Georgia counties that are 119 or whatever they said? Uh-huh. Well, buckle up, Buster, because there are a lot of jacuses this week. Reading Skies 20 says, a round ball. <laughs> 
Tyler, how dare you? Mark so kindly, so humbly admits that he doesn't know the differences between Aussie football, Aussie rules footy and American football. And yet you disrespect him, the country of Australia and the institution of GMFST by feeding him and thus your entire audience false information. You could not. In even all give fairness, us... I'm no, pretty no, no, sure no, it's I... not done. No, it's not God, done. God. You could not even give us the dignity of doing an Aussie rules primer. I think Aussie rules primer, but they can forgive me because they're so attentioned on. You didn't teach me how to pronounce that properly. How would I even know? Despite already having done a fantasy football, NFL, and soccer primer, not only do you compare the footy goal to a touchdown, your description of a footy is a round ball is disgusting. Admit your mistakes. Do an Aussie rules footy primer and undo the damage you have done. It's on the list. <laughs> But also, I, I will admit that I said round ball. It is rounded. It's basically very similar to a rugby ball, and it's egg-shaped. It's not pointy on the ends. It has no points, so it is rounded. And I'm pretty sure I said, I think it's round. Uh -huh. I never said it was. Uh-huh. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, it doesn't end there for you and your crimes, because Sad Employ 3978 is taking Mr. Underscore 12 to the stand. Elegant listeners and viewers of the jury, the, quote, master of balls and holes has neglected to mention an incredible historic accomplishment. Tyler who we all know is a huge Tampa Bay Lightning fan, neglected to acknowledge no. the Boston Bruins breaking both the NHL points and wins record. And I can't help but think this was due to jealousy, as his favorite hockey team shared the wins record. This ghost is on full haunt mode until Mr. Underscore 12 acknowledges this feat. Good job. <laughs> That's 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 an accomplishment, but also I haven't been paying attention to hockey. I've had a million other things on my wow. plate. Wow! All right, um, so Some I've master's been master's like, degree. Listen, I whoa, master's degree doesn't mean I just sit here and absorb all of the news of sport in, through osmosis. That's just in the air. Uh -huh. Like uh -huh. I'm not I'm not a plant that lives under the ice of every single hockey arena in the history of mankind. Uh-huh, uh-huh, sure, whatever you say. This last one is indefensible. If you think you can escape the punishment and torment of those last accusers, just wait for this last one. Oh, Shield right. of Earth says, seriously, guys, not knowing how a bike works, I can understand Tyler's position because he masters sports, but Mark Fishback, how can you not understand how a bike works when you have an electric unicycle, which does similar effects to keep itself balanced? And oh, when A and B, you were an engineering student, right? You took physics and mathematics classes, right? Your class might have referenced how a bike works by keeping itself upright, but you didn't listen, did you? A bike works by keeping itself upright, by literally positioning it underneath you. When you get on a bike, you don't move forward or backwards, you automatically steer the front wheel to the center of gravity of the bike so you don't fall right same when the bike is moving forwards without a rider the bike automatically steers whichever side they are falling to keep the wheel underneath it what do you have to say for yourself tyler uh i mean technically the gyroscope does assist in some degree 
but also they are correct in their assessment about how a bicycle wheel turns to you know balance you and make you go in the direction of the center of gravity you um, but that sounded like it was towards foon. you i can't believe you've disgraced the honor and dignity of this podcast by not knowing how a bicycle works that 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 was that was you they, they were just accusing <laughs> you, you you can't i didn't graduate <laughs> i like how that's your default if anybody challenges your engineering stuff it's like i didn't get my degree you can't question me that was me on set every time i would use an excuse to be like i don't know how to do that i didn't go to film school and people were getting very (laughs) upset with me on set because i was like yeah we didn't some of us didn't go to film school either so i used and then you're like well when why are you here (laughs) so i kept saying i I didn't go to snorri cam school and i didn't go to champagne school and i didn't go to any school uh but this is actually interesting because they they linked this uh video by veritasium and it is it is fascinating it's talking about how there's new research that's like yeah bike don't really work how people think they do the gyroscopic effect is in nowhere near effective enough as just the uh, design of the bike and its automatic steering capabilities and there's apparently new research coming out all the time about just how bicycles work because they're very well designed and we may not know actually know which haha fool on you i went to college in 2009 way before this video came out <laughs> and i didn't graduate so how would i know but it also doesn't change the point of i don't think these rules apply necessarily to the snow variant still i think i think the fact that there are wheels spinning still has an impact versus just a sled with two broken sticks on it the point in case the ski bikers were still falling (laughs) it apparently they need to design them better so that the steering compensates for the center of gravity change exactly and also probably snow has a different impact of the fact that it yields versus doesn't apply sufficient return force or something like that i don't know i didn't graduate take that tyler i didn't get a film degree (laughs) i didn't go to film school anyway lots of excuses all done now this episode is brought to you by new balance you don't have to be an elite athlete when you pound the pavement whether you've run five marathons or you only run when necessary whether you're chased by bears zombies monsters the apocalypse is coming but new balance will have you covered regardless whether you need shoes for comfort stability or race day speed they've got you covered because the only right way to run is your way new balance run your way visit newbalance.com slash running to learn more well mark nah you've had your fair share of interactions with fans no i haven't you yeah what no oh no i i I have many concerns now. (laughs) Was it another person that I was with that had these interactions? Do you have a clone that I don't know about? You can't prove that that was me. You have no ability to prove that. I think I have a video on my phone. No, no, no. Well, you interact with them. You were just interacting with them. You you got possessed by the Jacuz ghost. That's an interaction. I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't know what a fan is. I could make a Wade joke there, but I'm not going to. All right, fair enough. All right, but you've joined in on the wave because I saw you join in on the wave that happened at Creator Club. <laughs> there is no evidence to such things. All right, okay. I'm I sure did. somebody has videos. I did, I did, I did. So there's a lot of different ways that fans interact with mm-hmm. each other and with the contest. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to be discussing all these different kind of ways that fans interact. Some of the more popular ones like the wave, mm-hmm. um, 
something more recent that's evolved is the cup snake. And, you know, why sports teams fans have their names, how sports rely on their fans. There's a hint. It's money. It's money? Why is it money? Because they need fans to put a team onto the field. All right. Interesting. But it's really interesting how sports teams create avenues for fans to feel more involved and feel like they're a part of the team so that in vernacular they say we drafted this guy or uh, we won our game even though uh, they didn't play interesting act one all right fan interaction origins mark how far back do you think the wave goes the wave like, when do you think the wave like fans doing the wave like around a stadium began uh coliseum that'd be cool there's no historical evidence that would show that, though. Hmm. The first recording of it was actually in 1981 on October 15th at an huh. athletics playoff game in Oakland against the New York Yankees. Oh, interesting. Okay, so wait, the wave had never been documented, never filmed until that very moment? Nope, that's the first recording. I find that so incredibly hard to believe. Right? There's no way, like, I can't, you'd be so bored in back in, like, let's say it's 1200 AD or whatever it is, or CE or whatever it is. It's like, you don't think that someone just, like, got up and was like, oh, everyone cheer, because I know that humans probably get up and cheer even in the Coliseum days. Like, I'm sure that was a thing. So never, not anyone noticed that, like, ooh, if we organize and everyone goes like this, we could make a cool effect. Right? Yeah, but apparently this was the first recording. The funny thing is, you technically weren't wrong because the name of the Oakland Stadium is the Oakland Coliseum. So, okay. you, in a way, you were right oh, by saying the Coliseum. Oh, I see how you think I'm right. Yes, okay, I get it. The Coliseum, <laughs> yes. Okay, fair enough. I'll take the win. Put a win in my column for everybody out there. There are many theories of how the wave actually started with people claiming everything from them inventing it at home on their own couch, watching it on TV, watching a game in the 1950s, to it being depicted in Sioux City cave drawings dating back to 215 BCE. How would they get a wave going in a cave drawing? I guess you you have people sitting and then other people standing and then it's sitting and then the next depiction is it's moving. Huh. Uh, okay. That's how I imagine it would work. Okay. It, it was a flip book between stone tablets. Mark was. Do it again, Dad. All right. Thong, 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 thong. Be a very loud wave. Mm -hmm. But a professional cheerleader, Crazy George Henderson, mm. crazy with a K, mind you, claims okay. to have invented the wave in 1979. He claims that it evolved from earlier types of cheers he did to encourage the audience such as having fans at San Jose State stand in groups saying San, then Jose. Mm -hmm. uh, so this was in the early 1970s that he did this. Okay. But after the televised 1981 wave at the athletics game, it started to take off, mostly in Seattle, first at the college level at the University of Washington, but quickly spread to the Seahawks and the Sounders, and then to the world. To the world. Yes. Taking okay. it over by storms. Fans could not stay seated and watching the game. They couldn't stand and just cheer. They had to do it in unison to create an illusion of the wave. Okay. It was an addiction. It was an addiction? It was a disease. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> Regardless of how it started, the wave is a great way to energize a crowd, and it's <laughs> awe-inspiring to th- see thousands of people coordinate in the spur of a moment to make a wave happen in a game. Okay. We're at an event like Creator Clash. All right. See, it's a disease. It keeps spreading. That's how uh-huh. that's how you define a disease, right? Uh, not necessarily. Not all not all things that spread are diseases. Otherwise, growing a YouTube base, you know, might be considered a disease of some kind. Maybe it is. Mm. All right. Maybe it's a good disease. Maybe. A disease of positivity. Sure. Yeah. All right. Okay. Where are you going with this, Tyler? Are you trying to attack the fans out there for supporting me and not you and all their jacuzzes? They are always on my side. They believe in me and my genius. That's awesome. I support you <laughs> wholeheartedly because you're my friend. Well, take that, you fool. I'm going to win this one. <laughs> I love misdirecting you and going, I'm not entering this fight. I'm just going to support you. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, sure thing. That's a... <laughs> It's a loser's mentality. <laughs> Maybe that's right. why I win so much. I don't know about that. Anyway, uh, Mark, have you ever tailgated like before an event, before a sporting event or anything like that? I mean, maybe. Maybe I've attended one. I can't really speak of something specifically. I feel like in a way, in prep before like wrestling meets, it's almost like we're tailgating for our own wrestling because we're waiting for everybody else to be ready for the weigh-ins and just eating food and talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool, but I don't know if that would be considered tailgating in the traditional sense. Yeah. Tailgating, I think, requires a car. Uh, requires to be in a parking lot. Mm-hmm. But apparently it predates the invention of cars and was a few years before the first American football game was played. The first tailgaters were spectating not a sports game, but a Civil War battle. It was on the 21st of July, 1861. What Civil War battle had an audience? All of them, actually. Oh, really? Almost almost all of them. A lot of times uh, during the Civil War, and I remember this from wa- walking like Gettysburg, they would have basically the wives and kids would be on the sidelines and they'd stay like a good distance away and they'd watch the battle commence. And then they'd run in to help the soldiers and stuff that were wounded uh, as they came back. Good God, I feel like that would be like a very, very dangerous position to put yourself in. Uh, to be in, in the audience for a war. I mean, back then it was like you line up and just take aim. I don't know. I'm pretty sure they were far enough back and like on top of hills that like the old style artillery and stuff didn't really reach them. Hey, I don't know about that, but all right. Okay. Anyway, continue. So on the 21st of July, 1861, mm-hmm. spectators packed picnic lunches traveled by buggy and carriage to the Viridian countryside to watch the artillery and fighting in what would later be known as the First Battle of Bull Run. Oh, wow. These first tailgaters used opera glasses to try and view the battle and complained about trees and smoke blocking their view. Ah, good. Who are they going to complain to? (laughs) Right? Uh, You, General... Cut down trees before we get here next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How they thought it was a good idea to spectate a battle like it was a rugby match would be anyone's guess. But uh, yeah, American football might be brutal, but this definitely takes the cake in that it was a war and they were complaining about not being able to see a war. But that was deemed tailgating because they celebrated and ate food and then watched stuff commence. Okay, cool. So the first American football tailgates happened in the early 1900s. 
Just as automobiles started to become more and more popular, the New York Times reported on a Harvard-Yale game in 1906, stating that the open field about the grounds were simply black with machines parked together in such a hopeless mass as to make it seem impossible for one ever to find his own once more. Okay, well, I don't know what he really that meant, but it sounded ominous. Apparently, it was just there were a bunch of cars and it was impossible for them to find their car after the fact. Oh, okay. I thought we were still talking about the Civil War. I was like, what machines no. are out there on the field of battle that are just like left to left to rust in the middle of everything? No, no. This was a Harvard-Yale football match in 1906. Okay. The Times also said those arriving by train gazed with envious eyes as they neared the field at small parties of automobilists eating Tempting viands that had been brought in hampers, spread on a picnic fashion on a tablecloth, laid upon the ground. There's a really dramatic way to describe a picnic. I mean, I don't think anyone's ever looked at picnics and be like, wow, what an incredible sight. I'm so jealous. Actually, no, that's a lie. Every time I see someone taking a pic- picnic, I'm just like, oh, man, why is my life so boring? Why can't I go get a picnic? <laughs> I mean, I think they were jealous because they just got off the train. They're like... I'm so hungry. I want mm. some food. I'll have to buy it in the concessions that are so more expensive. Uh-huh. And then they're like, oh, those people have cheap food that's even more delicious. And they're here. Uh-huh. Yeah. And do they Do they not even... I, I don't even really understand tailgating. Do they go into the game afterwards or do they, they just listen to the game or watch it outside of it? So I've been in both circumstances. The majority of people that tailgate basically party and hang out and enjoy themselves and then go into the game. It's usually people that have ticket holders. My uncle tailgates for almost every Bengals game. Historically, that's what they did. And so, because you have to pay for like the parking slots close to the stadium. So a lot of people will do that. But I've also gone to a tailgate where they don't have tickets. And then they like have a TV and watch it from the parking lot in the frigid cold. It's the worst. And I've done it. Um, But sometimes people just go down there for the experience because you get to talk with fans. You get to meet people that come in from out of town you can try like different foods. It's how kind of how cultures come together and it's how fans can like, you know, interact with each other and have a fun time before the game actually happens. Yeah, so. we talked about it in a previous episode with food and sports. And so that was a part of the, like the cultural sharing was that tailgating experience. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's really fun because then you get like kids from who are fans of both teams, like playing football, playing jackpot, different stuff like that and throwing the football around. They're doing cornhole. They're playing like your normal like backyard games that you could play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have people peeing behind dumpsters because the, the latrines are occupied and stuff like that. So Fair enough. It's all part of the game. But how does this get into the other team's head? Uh, the smack talk. Uh-huh. It's when another fan decides to walk up to another fan and go, your team sucks and we're going to beat you into the ground because we're bigger and we're stronger and we're cooler. And does that make the other team afraid? No, because it doesn't affect the team, but it makes the fan less likely to cheer. And uh, then they have less of the home field adva- or the, the way advantage if their fans travel well. Or if enough of the opposing teams show up, fans, all of a sudden the home team advantage gets nullified because they could potentially be louder in opponent stadium. We saw that a lot happen when San Francisco fans came down to L.A., versus the Chargers and the Rams. And it was basically almost like it was a home game for the 49ers because there were more Niner fans than there were Rams or Charger fans. Interesting. Okay. But we'll talk about that in a different episode when we talk about home field advantage. 
Okay. But people's ability to travel increased the rise of the automobile usage, meaning more people would then go and support their teams for away games. The increased number of flooding to games, local restaurants basically started to appear near the, the venues, and college towns struggled to feed the masses, so it increased the number of people bringing picnics. They ate by their cars, and in the 1950s, plastic coolers, portable grills became widely available as tailgating turned from the picnics of the past to resemble the tailgates of today. It actually advanced technology because more people were doing this, so then they're like, oh, we need to give them stuff so that they can bring, you know, chilled items and and different things to the games. That's fascinating. I just had a thought about this. It was because did you see any posts that were like when when Ethan won his fight? There were some people that were just like, "Wow, is this what it's like to cheer for your your favorite sports team?" Um, oh yeah, I did win. see that. Yeah, uh, and because it, it's like this is amazing, and it's like yeah, that is the feeling that a lot of people who follow sports chase. They they want to root for something that they care about. They care about the players, and in the same way, yeah, they do feel that kind of connection in the same way that those people would of the people fighting in creative class or that the other wouldn't see. And that's kind of like the feeling that we're trying to promote here on Go is because I don't have a lot of favorite sports teams, but. There's probably something out there that you could find that you care about, and that would be really interesting to see them win. And it's it is exciting and it's addictive. And so like people do want to go and travel and share these experiences and they want to be able to share the experiences with other fans, all parts of it before and after, so that people can get more involved. And the more invested they are, the more satisfying it is when, you know, they actually do win. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's an adrenaline rush. It's fun. It's euphoric when your team wins. It's all of those different things. And it's obviously hits your dopamine response in your brain. So it mm-hmm. creates that that happiness and joy on victories. But the downside is you get some pretty deep lulls too when your team loses. Because if you get that that tied and invest into it, you're gonna you're gonna feel that loss just like the team does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can't have ups without downs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So apparently there's a really cool example of tailgating in the Vols Navy. Since 1962, the University of Tennessee tailgates have been unique. So their stadium is near the Tennessee River. So instead of tailgating with cars and parking lots, fans do it by docking their boats on the water. Mm. Almost 700 feet of dock space has been added over the years to accommodate all the various watercrafts. And as many as 350 boats may be docked for the big game. And they'll arrive days before and park there, and it's just a rowdy boat tailgate. And then according to some ratings, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs tailgates are the best in the NFL by World Sports Network, as the fans at Arrowhead Stadium have the best experience. Starting in the morning of a home game, the party continues all day and well after the game ends with barbecue. They even have the, the tailgating area sponsored by Ford, has live entertainment all the time. They have food trucks. They have the the cheerleaders for the team come out there and interact and a whole bunch of different games. And there's special hospitality tents inside the stadium for season ticket holders to tailgate in as well with music, complimentary food, drink, photo booth appearances from celebrities and different stuff like that. And it's insanely fancy. Do you almost feel, though, that that kind of cheapens the experience yeah, know. it's almost like it takes away from the the human element that it's like you're you're making it in the stadium, uh-huh. but at the same time, from a fan standpoint, when the team takes notice of the tailgating, it makes uh-huh. you feel valued. Yeah, I suppose it's kind of this this warring philosophy, right? The weird mm-hmm. example that I think I can take is World of Warcraft, right? 
Mm -hmm. World of Warcraft evolved as a game over a lot of different expansions. And in these expansions were features made to cater towards the player base, make it more convenient, mm -hmm. make things more accessible, give them more things, give them more things to do, give them more opportunities to feel like a winner, you know, stuff like that. And so in a way, it also diluted the experience of why the game was special in the first place and why that open sandbox with no rules and no special rewards kind of like made it a cheaper experience. So when when I hear about something like tailgating and these the you know the NFL being like, yeah, let's give them all these different perks. For me, the idea of tailgating is probably originated just because fans wanted to get together and they wanted to share food and they wanted to talk about it like in in a way that was outside of the stadium and kind of like being outside of the stadium probably felt like a bit of a rebellion, you know, kind of like like we're doing our own thing, but we're still here and we're kind of we're existing outside of the box and we do it just because we love it. And then when suddenly you introduce all these different perks and stuff, I could see it leading towards a thing where it loses that special spark that made them want to come there in the first place, as opposed to all of the ooh, we get to meet and photo booth. More opportunities like that mean more opportunities to, to be disappointed almost. And mm -hmm. so it's 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 a strange uh like battle and i wonder what would actually be better or if it is better for things like that because at the end of the day it's people coming together because they want to get together not because they think that there's special cool perks for it you know yeah i think i mean in that particular degree that's for people's opportunity to purchase into that to do the in stadium stuff i think the outside the stadium stuff still exists and the fact that they get live music and do extra stuff to like make and promote more people to come is cool mm -hmm. I think to a degree, in a way, there's an argument to be lesser because then you don't have your own choice of music because that's something that at the Bengals tailgates that I've been to, you have people that bring their speakers and they're blaring what music they like. And so if there's a concert going on, it's harder for you to then be able to enjoy what you wanted to enjoy instead you're hearing whatever's there. So like if they're like playing country music and you're not a country music person, it's like, oh, I don't want to hear that. So to a degree, I can see what you're saying. I think it's one of those things where the big part that I think about that I think is really nice is if people come out and acknowledge that, you know, the fans are there early and supporting. It's almost like they're getting to know the fans. Mm -hmm. So like if um, Hude, who's the mascot for the Bengals, mm -hmm. if he just suddenly comes out and is running around the tailgate, everything, that's cool. Kids love that. People get a hype out of it. They, they'll take pictures with them and see them do stuff. And that's kind of cool. But I see what you mean by like the in-stadium stuff kind of taking away from it so that it's not as like special. Now it's like a pay to get in sort of thing and you get exclusive perks from it. Um, I could see that in a way taking away from it. I don't think it does because I think it's probably such an exclusive crowd because apparently it's like $15,000 or $30,000 to get into that for the year. So I think it's only a select number of people who take advantage of that. And those are the people that are like, oh, I don't want to cook the food or be out there anyway with the, the plebeians. They're like, oh, I have the money. I can go in and be cool with the actual stadium. Which is like so silly of a mentality. But yeah, sure. Yeah. There are people that are like that. We've met them, Mark. We've met them, yes. I've met many of them. And then there's the cup snake, which is a recent thing. Cup snake? Going to pretty much any sports stadium means there will be beer. Mm. And beer drinkers, they like to get rowdy. So what happens is there's a break, and hyped up, slightly buzzed fans get bored. So they start stacking their beer cups, also called the beer snake. It's a long chain of stacked empty cups. For example, 
In the 2020 DC Defenders game, fans created a 1,237 cup long snake that spanned nearly 20 rows of seats. In 2021, a 2,400 cup long snake was created at a Cubs game assembled by fans, which by the way is over $30,000 worth of beer. Great. While the cup snake may have gone viral in recent years, fans have been creating cup snakes since at least the late 1960s. Hmm. And basically what happens is one fan will be like, it's like the seventh ending stretch. And they're just like, all right, everybody throw me your beer cups. Let's make a snake. Mm -hmm. And so they just start stacking it and they, it stretches up and connects fans together because they're interacting with each other and they're coming together to see how big of a snake they can make. (laughs) Okay, cool. But there's also probably a downside in that people end up drinking too much. No, no way. That shouldn't happen. That's illegal. Right? How could they? (laughs) Okay. Act two. Oh, okay. Fan zones. Names. Nicknames. Why do they call themselves what they do? Why? I don't know. Why would you think I'd know? I'm here to learn. I was about to ask you a question. Okay. 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 What do you got? Did your fan base decide to name themselves or did you name them? They tried. Put a stop to that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? Stupid names. Whatever they got right now is dumb. And even if I came up with it, they're dumb for believing in it. Didn't they like try and call themselves the pliers? That's so stupid. <laughs> I feel so like that was one dumb. of the names like early on in your YouTube career that they're That's like, where are the so pliers? Dumb. I hate that. And they, they just should... started putting plier at the end of their own names. Like they should feel bad about themselves for even wanting to do that. I mean, Ethan's got his cranky crew. No, he would hate to see, he would hate to have anything referred to as that. I know. I'm willing to bet he would be he would abhor that. Well, anyway. The Bengals have Hooday Nation. Okay, sure. So the Bengals fan base named themselves after the iconic rallying cry heard across the jungle on game day, which is Hooday, 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 thank going to beat them Bengals. Mm-hmm. And then it's nobody. While the exact origins of Hooday are unknown, it started popping up in the early 1980s when the Bengals had an unusually good season. Unusually good. Okay. Uh, the popular theory is that it's an abbreviation of Hudipole or Hudie beer, which was a Cincinnati native beer and a cheap beer. And so beer vendors would shout Hoodie and eventually was picked up by the fans who morphed it into Hooday. But there's also another theory that it was stolen from the New Orleans Saints, Hoodat. But that theory is dead wrong because Hooday came first. Okay. Duke University have the Cameron Crazies. So if you attend a Duke basketball game, you'd better be prepared from the chaos and shenanigans of the student section filled with about 1,200 ride-or-dive blue paint-covered student fans. Mm -hmm. Um, And the name Cameron Crazy comes from Cameron Indoor Stadium where the Blue Devils basketball games are played. And the Devils are also benefiting from their fans who have a history of taunting and cheering in creative ways such as a time in 1984 when they threw lingerie and condoms at an opposing team member who had been under suspicion of improper advances on a female classmate. Okay. Interesting. And how did that affect that player? (laughs) I mean, that would definitely get in my head because then you're not thinking about the game. You're thinking about the stuff you're dealing with off the field. Mm -hmm. Okay. That'd get in their head. 
It, it would work. It would work. You're not wrong about that. But also at the same time, isn't that a little rude? Isn't that a little hazardous? Yeah. I never said I supported the Duke fan base. I'm just saying what they did. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Then. Some Duke players would turn to the opposing coach until the Duke's coach lost it and shouted at them, shut up. So while uh, some may say that the Cameron crazies can go too far sometimes, you can't deny that they're crazy supportive of their team. Okay, well, okay. I mean, you, you might be able to deny that. There's a difference between being supportive of your team and being a, a villain to the other team. What yes. about What about camaraderie? What about, like, good sports and all that? Well, now we go to the Cleveland Browns. They're good of sports. Co- of course. They've suffered uh-huh. deeply for right. a long time. Okay. And they have their fan zone called the Dog Pound. The bleacher section behind the east end zone in the Cleveland Browns stadium, and it formed in the 1980s from a joke during a Browns training camp that led to defensive linebackers and linemen barking when they would get a sack. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this quickly spread to fans, and the rest is history. And so when the new stadium was built, they built the dog pound as an officially recognized part of the stadium, packed with rabid fans who have been known for their exuberance and misbehavior. Pelting opposing teams with dog food, milk bones, and other random objects, leading to dog food being banned in the stadium at one point. All right. Fascinating. That seems, again, hazardous to encourage. What if you took the worst parts of your fan base on the internet and you just encouraged and cultivated that part of it? And now think of all the YouTubers that that comes springs to mind. And it's like, is that really what you want to do? So there are ways in which teams will create this... They're the rough and rowdy fans. And, you know, people in general with group think end up escalating too far, but you have to reel them in. Mm -hmm. And so by having it designated as a zone, you pay attention to who's going in there and you can find out where and how to dampen that. So in some ways, there's a positive mentality to the fact that you create that area. And there's a number of different fan bases like uh, FC Cincinnati has -hmm. their fan base. Um, that they have a rowdy group there, but it's always just chanting. I've never seen them do anything like improper. And the thing is, you get the right people in there, they self-regulate because they don't want to be known for that negative thing. So if somebody does something wrong, then they're all everybody else in that group is like, no, 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 no. We're better than that. And they shut it down. That, that happens. Yeah, happens. I know it happens. These are just in particular parts where fans take it too far. And the next one that takes it too far are the Raiders. And I'm just going to skip over them because I don't want Raiders fans coming after me. Oh, they're that bad, huh? You afraid? Are you afraid? I'm not afraid. All right, fine. Take that, you stupid Raiders fans. Come at me. I don't know anything. Is that a football team? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I don't even know what team it is. That's how unpopular the Raiders are. (laughs) Am I going to die? They're... They're fine. They're, you know, their fan spot is only called the black hole. Well, so long as I don't fall into the event horizon of your stupid butthole, I'm not going to be hurt at all. Come at me. (laughs) Am I going to (laughs) die? Am I I a dead man? You might be. I don't know. Don't go to Vegas anytime soon and don't go to (laughs) Oakland. All right. Okay. So it started as a few friends. But it's uh-huh. grown into a horde of dedicated Raiders fans. Okay. Clad cool. in black, many with intimidating costumes, which is like, think Viking Raiders, and then think also super punk metal so that they have spikes everywhere and weaponry. All right. And weaponry. Wait, that's an, that's an important detail. What? what? <laughs> so uh, the black hole fans 
show up to support the Raiders, many clad in such paraphernalia and uh, not daunted even by the team moving from Oakland to Las Vegas. The black hole has turned into more than just a fan zone in a stadium, growing into an international organization of Raiders fans with 35 chapters in the U S and across the globe. I've heard many stories of the black hole and people running into Raiders fans and them being scary. Okay, cool. Good. Very intimidating in your face. Just like they had the team with the iron curtain that, or no, that was the Steelers. What was the Raiders one called? I don't know. I don't know, but they were, they were known for cheap shots and dirty hits and bad play. So. Oops. Anyway, act three, the final act. Team reliance on fans. Fans have an impact on the game. We know this by the loudness. The fact mm. that the fan zones will throw things at opposing teams. Don't do that. Don't be that person. But they'll mm. use taunts and do different things to try and psychologically get in people's head to break them out of their zone. Fans cheering can pump up the team and energize their team. They can be used to encourage and unprompted chanting, lifting their spirits and potentially improving a player's performance. Mm. This is psychologically proven in the sense that when you go to the gym and you have a workout buddy, I think your your expenditure and the much you output, you get like a 10% yeah. better workout or greater. Mm-hmm. One, you don't want to fail in front of somebody because then there's a greater shame in there. And two, you have somebody who's yelling in your ear and encouraging you. Mm. Um, screaming, actually, just like as loud screaming. as they possibly could in your ear. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So an energized crowd can almost create a sort of positive electricity that boosts their team's energy. I don't know if you've ever experienced it, Mark, but when I've been like doing sports and stuff and mm-hmm. I'm like last ditch effort, especially in wrestling, and all of a sudden your coach is like, you can do it, get there. All of a sudden you get that extra Oasis. spurt of energy. Oasis. Oasis. <laughs> Which is not necessarily a you can do it means run, run away, run as fast as you can. Yeah, not really. Uh, not really an encouragement. <laughs> You're losing. Get to the end. <laughs> Get out of bounds! Yeah. But in a study published by the National Library of Medicine, it was found that the average home team points collected dropped by 8% when a crowd wasn't present. So like during COVID, they didn't have the fan energy. On the flip side, the crowd booing and taunting an opposing team can have a debilitating effect on players throwing them off their game if they aren't prepared and focused. It can also be deafening and it drowns out any on-field communication and can lead to false starts. This is something that can happen with the NFL. In-helmet headsets are used to combat this, but sometimes you'll even see quarterbacks need to cover the the holes for the their helmet to be able to hear what the coach is trying to relay through the headset. Mm, okay. But there's also a negative effect. Uh, some players don't do well under pressure. And when they have the weight of a tens of thousands of people calling out and reacting to what you do, sometimes people crumble. An example of the impact the fans can have is when the Detroit Lions hosted Monday Night Football for the first time in nine years, and the crowd was so deafening, the opposing team, the Chicago Bears, had nine false starts. The Lions ended up winning 24-13, and the head coach dedicated the game ball to the fans. According to Lawrence Jackson, a defensive end for the Lions game, stated in an interview, the fans... They just went crazy. And the entire night, with the penalties they were forcing, it was special. I think that was probably the most energetic game I've ever played in. Mm -hmm. And nine false starts, that's five yards per false start. That's almost half of football field in lost yards the other team had. Damn. It can have a tremendous impact. Significant. Okay. Interesting. And that was all because of the fans? 
It was because of the fans, because they were so loud. Players can't hear when the quarterback does their snap count. And so they think they hear it or they try and anticipate it and they jump off sides. Hmm. Interesting. Or or the team will call timeout because they can't communicate the audible to, to the different players. Hmm. So okay. delay of games are another way that that can happen. But those hmm. fan interactions and those fan zones and the, the hype and excitement, fans can immensely affect the game. Just like with how potentially Leonhart was affected when he started hearing the fans. Mm-hmm. Jarvis, when everybody's shouting Aaron and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Or it can also be the opposite effect because a lot of people were cheering for Marisha or Marisha. And um, Haley came in there and just was like, uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah, just laser focused, not even paying attention to it. So, yeah, it, yeah. it could be either way. I have, I have no idea. I've never been in a situation where people really needed to cheer or boo for me when I go up on stage. Um, so I don't know how it would be affected. But Mark, hmm? you are affected by it. Yeah. You thrive off of fuck you energy. Okay. How people have treated you. Uh, yeah. in the In the various industries and various avenues you try to get into and how people have been like you can't do it and you go i'll show you uh that is because of fan interaction possibly it's usually from people not necessarily fans it's usually from people um in industries that or in more of a professional setting that is just like you can't do this and it's like yeah right i can't and most of the time nowadays it's just like silly to me that anyone thinks that i can't because like you know I've done so much. You have mm-hmm. no idea what I've been through. Like, you think that I'm even going to give you the time of day, like, of listening to you when I'm already halfway done, when I'm already done filming this movie and it's like things like that. So, yeah, I do get off of fuck you energy, but very rarely from fans, I would say, because there's there's always been like criticism on the internet and mm-hmm. one of my one of my like apparently superpowers on the internet is never being affected by negative criticism for some reason i'm just like totally fine with that because they don't know me and i don't know them and therefore they're perfect strangers so it's like i have no no uh no desire to listen to their opinion so i i i'm able to ignore it and for some reason that's strange um yeah but I, then again i've never really been in a situation where my fans are just booing me straight up so who knows? I've definitely seen you in different sport things where, you know, somebody's rooting for somebody else and you're like, I'll show you. I've definitely <laughs> seen that. When? I, I don't even know when. I, I mean, dating back to like wrestling, I've definitely seen it when like, I mean, it's it's always anytime I've seen you seemingly be discounted. I think there's one time where it was like, oh, you can't beat me in a race or something. And you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> Maybe, mayhaps, mayhaps. Um, a lot of it's like dating back to the high school days more than mm. anything. I definitely saw it on the football field for sure when we did the backyard football stuff. Yeah, I've never done any any sports for a while, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's what I got. That's the the fan interactions because if I continue down the the other stuff, we get into the home field advantage episode. Okay, so, and that's a different episode that we'll talk about later. All right, fair enough. Well, thank you so much for the information. And remember, everyone at home, uh, you can't break us down. We'll only become stronger. But you can antagonize all of those other sports podcasts. You show them what's what, and but be nice about it. Yeah, and, and more than anything, support this one and hype it up and share it with your friends. Share it with yeah. one person. I challenge yeah. you to share this podcast with one person every time a new episode comes out. And with different new <laughs> All right, how about just one person one time? We'll start with that, and then we'll go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. Right, cool. But in other ways, if you want to support us further, you can go to store.gmfst.com, get some new merch. We got pins. We got a foam finger that is up there now. But now. When the episode comes out now. Right now. Right now. You can also finger sports with Mark's favorite hat that we uh-huh. have and uh, get your sweet athletic tee and also get your poster before they're gone because those posters aren't going to be restocked. Oh, no. Why not? Because one of them says that we're with Wood Elf and we're not with Wood Elf anymore. All right. That's a good point. <laughs> Poster 2.0 coming soon. <laughs> Get their posters before they're gone. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Watch Mark's movie when it comes out. Yeah, sure. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>